Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Some music matches the weather. Allison James. Did you say something? Because this right here, of course, it's not the actual version. What a frying pan to the face, Public ladies and gentlemen. Is in I guess this is art, isn't it? Punch it right about here. So here we it go. kind of feels a little grudgy out there with the clouds, grungy. doesn't it? It's a little gray. The Seahawks. It's kind of looked grungy for a week. What's going on out Let's there? Let's brawl, shall we? Melancholy mood that we're in. Are we in a melancholy mood? Well, you know what? Uh, you know, off, right now I am. Okay. <laughs> Easily influenced Into by the music flood over again, here. Exactly. Uh, Sean Payton. You ever heard of him? Uh, I feel like his yeah, name's been bouncing have, around. As a matter of fact, been, love Sean Payton. He's been hanging over the NFL, I would say, pretty much all season. And, you know, when he left the Saints last year, I think pretty much everybody had the same thought. Okay, he's coming back to coach. Is it going to be in 2022 or 2023? If you are a coach at any point this season that's on a little bit of a hot seat, you, that that hot seat gets hotter because Sean Payton's just lurking out there, and he's been talking lately. I'll play this clip first for anybody that didn't hear it last week when he was on the herd. This is Sean Payton. I was a ball boy for this team back in. I'm going to date myself, but when the St. Louis Cardinals, before they were the Arizona Cardinals, their training camp was held at Eastern Illinois, where I went to school, and so the early years there in the 83, 84, 85, it was Hannafin and then became Gene Stallings. Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd clean the rooms, bring towels to the rooms. We'd have a summer well, job. What was the Neil Lomax team? Neil Lomax had just taken over for Jim Hart. Um, Mr. Bidwell Sr. was the owner at that time, and, and I, I think I know that family well enough. And um, shoot, Joe Buck was. I was 18 or 19, and he was 16. He was there. And then finally, my junior, senior year, I handed out rosters and, yeah. and got to eat with the team, work for the team. That is so cool right that, there. Huh? I did not even know that, that Sean Payton was there. We talked about this when this sound first came out. We actually had a conversation about this. I had no idea Sean Payton was walking around Eastern Illinois University. <laughs> Very interesting. So that's that is probably not the only connection to the Cardinals, but that is a connection. And certainly, when he made that connection last week, a lot of people made other connections. But I'll just go big picture with this: Sean Payton's going to come back to coach somebody. Whether you're driving around, you're thinking, "Oh, it's going to be the Cardinals for sure." This is what we're waiting for. Uh, if you're a Broncos fan, you probably think it's going to be the Broncos. If you are a Chargers fan, if they end up missing the playoffs and they don't have Brandon Staley, maybe it's the chart. It, whatever. We all think Sean Payton is is coming back and coming back soon. Well, here's Sean Payton on the Let's Go podcast this week. I don't like to see or look at coaches that are currently working and predict like what what jobs will be open. Our league's kind of funny. It, it, there's always a lot of turnover. It seems more and more now. You know, average of, of six, about six or seven teams a year. So we'll kind of see what happens. But uh, but sooner than later, though, Jim. In fairness to that question, I I, I think that you know if not this year, hopefully next year. I'm- Man, 
Okay, sooner as opposed to later right now. If not this year, hopefully next year. You know what? It's going to be this year. When, you, when he he's says sooner so much. as opposed to later, it's going to be this year, right? Yeah, it, it Doesn't it feel like he just needed a season off to kind of reset yeah. and he's ready to start the next chapter of his NFL coaching? You story? know what? Can I just say this right now? My second observation on this, this sound, was I love the fact that Sean Payton acknowledged that he doesn't like talking about jobs that are out there. Um, I respect him greatly based on the inside. I think he's an awesome coach. I don't like the fact that he's letting people know where he would actually be interested in coaching. And that report has been out there a lot in regard to making the assumption that Brandon Staley, of course, and Cliff Kingsbury, those two jobs, the Chargers and the Cardinals, he's been linked to those two in particular, I would say. And there's been many reports out there. And I wish Sean Payne would just say, you know what, what he just said to start yeah. right there. Because he's he's obviously becoming a little bit sensitive to what it is. I mean, you're talking about an inco- and in, not just Cliff Kingsbury, not just Brandon Staley, not just any coach that is actually currently coaching an NFL team. But you're talking about their families. You're talking about your coaching staff. You're talking about a number of people, a lot of people that are going to be impacted by this. All because you want the job, or you allegedly would be open to taking the job. I, I just think I wish he would not. He would not imply there's any team out there that he wants to actually coach. If he gets an offer, he might take one. I wish he'd stick with that. Yeah, be, well, just because I mean, if, if a he's not going to coach all of these teams, I'm sure some of this is is just people linking. Hey, okay, I want my team to get a new coach. So would you coach them? And but he's not going to coach seven new teams next year, even if he takes a job. So you're right. Just go ahead and when you when the time comes, take the job if you want it. Um, there's going to be openings, Wolf. There's always openings. And <laughs> here's the number of, of teams that have a new head coach since 2021. Okay. okay. It's 2022 right now for anybody that's kind of okay, lost. thank you. 2021. Out of 32 NFL teams, 17 of them have a, a coach that started with their team either last year or this year. Okay. That's half the Some league. people would say to you right now that that means you're not going to move off them that quickly. Some people would say that. Yeah, but there's 10 other teams that probably will move quickly. <laughs> I mean, you're going to fire a coach after one year? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's, that's how much turnover I, there is I, in I, the NFL. You know, I, I know a lot of people point to Steve Wilkes, and they say he, he only got one year. That doesn't happen a lot, though. I, I know Nathaniel Hackett up in Denver. I think there's a lot of rumor going on. There's a lot of talk swirling around the Denver Broncos, and rightfully so. In that situation, honestly, you have to wonder what is going on. We saw him make some decisions early in that season that I think really impacted the Denver Broncos from a psychological perspective. I really do they believe that. They have never that. recovered this they, season. It's, it's, to me, it is bizarre. The very reason why you brought him in here and Russell Wilson, the reason why you extended him the way that you did, it was all about the offense. And you're telling me your defense 
is so much better than your offense. That stat is was the stat if, if the offense, if the Broncos could just score 19 points in regulation this season. Okay, so they're three yes, and nine. I love this. If they could just score, I have to adjust it a little bit. If they could just score 19 points in regulation, they would be 10 and two. <laughs> Think about that, man. Can you just get to two touchdowns and two field goals in regulation? Wow. A couple of the games, you know, were like 16-16 and went to overtime, and then they ended up losing 19. But if you could get the 19 points in regulation as the Denver Broncos with man. Russell Wilson and an offensive mind that you brought in, you would be 10-2 and two right now. Uh, if you want to have fun, tell that stat to one of your Broncos fan friends because they're not really in the joking mood about this team. Rock and roll Hall of Famers, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, are heading to State Farm Stadium May 4th. With the strokes, tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets now by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. We come back. What does Kevin Ray expect from Chris Paul and the Suns tonight when they take on the NBA-leading Celtics? We're going to ask the Suns broadcaster for Valley Sports next. It's game day with K. Ray. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wham, bam, slam. Oh, wow. Suns Day brought to you by Coco 5. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Catch it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom. And catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K-Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. 8 o'clock tonight at the Footprint Center. Boston Celtics take their 20-5 and record to the desert against the Phoenix Suns, who I would imagine are looking to bounce back after whatever happened on uh, Monday night. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is Kevin Ray of Valley Sports, as he does every game day with K. Ray on a weekday. So, K., what's going on, and what? explain what we just watched on Monday night, please. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I. it's hard to put a, a real finger on it. Uh, you, you could look at a number of different things. Uh, the Mavericks have played much better basketball um, at home than they had on the road previously. Now, uh, they went into Denver uh, last night and managed to, uh, to sneak out of Denver with a victory. So since they reinserted uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. into the starting lineup, he has been on an absolute tear. Uh, that continued against the Suns, and he scored a, a game high uh, for the Mavericks 29 last night. You know, the, the Suns ran into um, a hot team, and, you know, I, I think what obviously made it feel even worse for Suns fans um, and anybody probably involved is, is just the fact that. You know that's that if you if you throw in the playoffs, that's four straight games now. The Suns have been down by twenty or more against this Mavericks team, and kind of makes you go, "Wow, what you know what what are they doing? What kind of magic spell have they cast on the Suns?" Um, there was a number of different things that I think uh, played factors the other night. Uh, I know you guys touched on a little bit yesterday. You know, if, if Book uh, isn't able to get his shot going early, it just puts so much stress on the rest of the team because, look, they've they've done more than just survive in the absence of Chris Paul and Cam Johnson, guys. They've continued to thrive and sit atop the Western Conference. And I think you get into a game like that against a fully healthy Mavericks team, 
and you're like, oh yeah, we are missing uh, a 12-time All-Star. We are missing one of the best three-point shooters in the league, and it was just kind of a perfect storm. So it's one of 82. I know that you know we are all anxious to see the matchup, Booker and Luca, but that that's not going to shape the outcome of the Western Conference playoff picture. You just got to, you know, uh, chalk it up as an L, put it behind you, and, and be razor sharp with your focus tonight because the league's best team is coming into town. So, yeah, no doubt, Gay. Um, what do you want to see tonight? On that note right there, what are you looking for tonight? <laughs> Well, I'm looking for uh, looking forward, looking forward to a couple of uh, fresh bodies being on the floor. Um, not the least of which, or is uh, one Chris Paul. Uh, fully anticipate Chris being on the floor tonight after missing the last 14 games, and also anticipating Tory Craig uh, being cleared to go. So that in itself, I think, is going to give the Suns team, you know, a a great deal of juice. And look, it's it's the Celtics um, and the Suns. No team has responded better after losses over the last two plus seasons than the Suns. So I expect them having gotten back home got a little rest they didn't have a full practice yesterday um to, to come out uh with the kind of force and intensity that uh, that we would you know that you would expect from a conference leader talking to kevin ray of bally sports is game day with k ray k you you just mentioned it in there that uh it's not like the suns just survived without chris paul they're at the top of the western conference so now we've seen them without cp3 for a month obviously you are better off with him back but specifically campaign now that we've had a month of this do you think they saw what they needed to see from him to feel more comfortable you know like they were two years ago if if they need to go to him again in big moments I think so. I mean, you know, Cam the last three games has been in a little bit of a, a shooting funk. Um, but look, that's that's going to happen with everybody. Like I say, you know, Book Book had an off night the other night. So um, I, I think that Cam and Monty said it over the weekend. You know, Cam has done a really nice job at balancing the floor. Um, he has done a, a much better job at taking care of the basketball and more importantly getting you know getting his team into into the place into the sets that they need you know he, he's really kind of become a a floor general with that starting unit and they became comfortable with him so I think he he passed whatever test uh, that he needed to for Monty and the coaching staff, uh, so that you know if or when there is a time this season or the playoffs, God forbid, that, that Chris is sidelined, I think they would feel comfortable with you know Cam running the show for a game or two. You know, it's interesting, Kay, because CP3, of course, coming back tonight. Do you see any peculiarities in regard to him coming back tonight after the Mavericks game? And then, of course, the Celtics tonight. And you've got a couple of games against the Pelicans after that. Do you, do you just look at the timing and wonder if there's any planning behind that? Yeah, I, I don't know that there was any like, oh, let's hold him out until, you know, this particular date. Um, I, you know, I, I do really think that it was a combination of uh, taking care of the injury, but then also allowing to Chris to get really, you know, fully conditioned. And, you know, and, and we've said it a couple of times, the one thing that James and Monty have 
the approach they've taken with any of the injured players is we don't want to rush you back and have a situation where, oh, Monty's got to bring you off the bench or, oh, Monty's got to monitor your minutes at, at 20. It puts the coaching staff in a bad position. It puts the player, you know, in a bad position. So they want guys to be fully prepared to, to go their, their normal minutes. And, you know, as a result of that injury, uh, Chris, you know, I'm sure was not able to do the kind of conditioning that he wanted or needed to in order to, you know, to play at the, the highest possible level. So I think it just kind of coincided and, and worked out that, the, that this is, you know, this is the, the scenario and the way the schedule is stacked up. Talking to Kevin Ray of Valley Sports, uh, K. Ray, 25 games into last season, the Suns had just beaten the Celtics, ironically, and were 21 and four coming off a run to the NBA Finals the year before. Boston and this year is 20 and 5. Uh, you know, they both have a great player, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker. They both have a great defensive player with Marcus Smart and Mikel Bridges. What sort of similarities be, do you see between these two teams? Yeah, when I when I look at the Celtics and the way that they are playing this year, guys, I see a team much like the Suns last year, which is a team that, you know, quite frankly is, you know, was pissed that they lost the NBA and realize just how close they were, you know, to adding another banner uh, there at the Garden. And I think it's a team that, that is coming out with that that attitude. Um, and, yes, they had a, a coaching change. And, you know, like the Suns, they've had kind of a tumultuous offseason. But it's a team with veterans and a team with guys who, you know, know what their job is. And, and they're coming out and playing each game with that same kind of vengeance and anger that I think we saw the Suns do last year. Um, but it is, you know, it, it's a very talented team. You've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum um, who have really combined to create a, you know, a, a dynamic guard-wing combo. And then Marcus Smart is, you know, Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year and a guy that just gets after it. Um, you know, I think the, the, the scary prospect for, for the Eastern Conference, much less the rest of the NBA, is they're winning these games without Robert Williams. You know, they're their best uh, backline defender and shot blocker so it certainly gives you pause when you think about what they can and and will be once they get Williams back uh, which could be relatively soon so you know that's why the Suns will have to be locked in defensively because they put so much pressure on you in so many different ways so Kay do you think Book comes out tonight and treats this as just another game or looks at it with a little something something coming out of the side of his neck well, I, I think the I think the something something coming out of the side of his neck wolf will be based on his game the other night. Um, you know, we we those kind of games from book are so rare, mm-hmm. and like his team, um, they one rarely follows up another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would expect book to look and play like book, and it just happens to be that uh, it's a Celtics. So little little extra juice because as we know book has has had some historic big games against the Celtics, both here but but away when he dropped in his 70-point uh, night. Uh, so I, I think it really starts, though, with just responding from an ugly loss the other night in Dallas. K-Ray, great stuff, as always. Thank you for the time, man. 
You got it, Bill. Have a great week. All right, that's Kevin Ray of Valley Sports joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, Cardinals-Patriots Monday Night Football coming up here shortly. What are you going to be watching for? What will Wolf be watching for? He'll tell you next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This you called for this much Allison Chain. No, that's our run here at the eleven o'clock hour. It is Wolf and Luke on a Wednesday morning. Cardinals Patriots is all the way on Monday, although it's not really that far away at this point. Now we've we've gone through a week and a half of of no local football, so we're coming up on Cardinals Patriots. Wolf, there's a lot to watch for in this game. You got a desperate Patriots team. They are obviously coached by Bill Belichick. Anytime you're going up against Bill Belichick, that's to me the first thing you have to look at. But what yeah. specific Specifically, will Wolf be watching for in this one? Well, what do you say we roll that beautiful music? What will Wolf watch? The Patriots are coming. The Arizona Cardinals are getting ready to host Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots this Monday night. The Patriots are fighting for their playoff lives. Their expected intensity level and sense of urgency reminds me of another famous patriot, Paul Revere. Born in 1735 in the north end of Boston, Massachusetts, one of 12 children, Paul never learned to read by brothers. Although he was a silversmith by trade, he also dabbled in amateur dentistry. Matthew Judon rearranges teeth as well. The edge rusher leads the AFC in sacks with 13, and his tape is even better. This dude is thick and strong, using his hands well, beating tackles with power. At 6'3 and 261 pounds, Judon is a bull without horns. He plays the run and sets the edge as well as any in the league, but he's not alone. Paul Revere wasn't alone on that fateful night of April 18, 1775, either. He had plenty of help, warning fellow patriots that the British were coming. William Dawes and Samuel Prescott rode alongside him. And by the end of the night, as many as 40 men on horseback were spreading the word across Boston's Suffolk County. Likewise, the Patriots' defense is built around the many and not the one. They work hard in the run game to get teams in obvious pass situations and then let their pass rushers go to work. Judon is not the only Patriot on the edge. He has plenty of help around him. Fellow edge man Josh Uche has seven sacks and shows an uncommon burst to the ball. Dietrich Wise Jr. has six and a half sacks, rushing from a three technique, bringing the wood. Contrary to popular belief, Revere did not fashion a set of wooden dentures for George Washington. Oh no, he used his work as a craftsman to wire dentures made of walrus ivory, ivory, 
or animal teeth into patients' mouths. Think about that. Sounds like blood work to me. Speaking of, the Cardinals need to keep blood out of the mouth of Kyler Murray. Protection is the key to this game because the offense must score more than 20 points. The Patriots' offense has averaged 18 points a game over the last six weeks. Matt Patricia is calling plays in Foxborough, and things are getting a little sideways as of late. The Cardinals have got to stop running sideways. They need to run the ball up and down, perpendicular to the line of scrimmage in order to protect Kyler Murray. They need to keep the Patriots' excellent front seven honest, respecting James Conner and his ability to truck stop somebody's face. Even if the Cardinals run into a pile of top ten rush defense players wearing red, white, and blue, they need to do it again and again and again in order to chunk throw the ball down the field. Paul Revere and company went from town to town again and again and again, but he wasn't yelling, Basinonians. The operation was meant to be conducted as discreetly as possible, since scores of British troops were hiding out in the Massachusetts countryside. The last thing he would have done is gallop through a town screaming, The British are coming! The British are coming! Nonetheless, there will be blood and screaming on Monday night. Veterans are playing for jobs here or there. Coaches are desperate to find their offensive nirvana. Pro Bowl receivers want the ball. Time is running out for players waiting to be extended, and a quarterback has taken a step back, all under the digital eye in the sky. Spread the word. The Patriots are coming. The Patriots are coming. Ding! Couldn't there be one more note on that? <laughs> I know. I, I thought you really sold it with that last ding. Um, maybe this is not where I was supposed to get caught up in all that, but uh, amateur dentistry. Yes. <laughs> He dabbled in I mean, amateur dentistry. dentistry. If That's I go to what the he dentist did. and they're like, uh, hey, what's your experience? Like, I just kind of dabble in this. I have a regular job, but I like to knock people's teeth out. I, I'm, I'm, not I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to wire this walrus ivory. That's what it was. The tusks. Okay, I'm going to weave this into your mouth. I'm going to wire it in there. Is that okay? <laughs> no, don't worry. I've been dabbling in this for I a while. I think about that, man. And there's the, the rumor out there that he actually was the one who crafted George Washington's wooden teeth. <laughs> Can you imagine having wooden Can teeth, we get my friends? Confirmation first of all, from Schefter on that or something. Um, that to me was bizarre. And doing a little research for these, ladies and gentlemen, which I do, of course, from time to time. Did you know? that Paul Revere borrowed the horse. <laughs> it wasn't even his own horse. Hold on, hold on. And he wasn't really a good rider. <laughs> did he borrow it or did he borrow it? <laughs> oh, no. Like, the owner didn't did even not. know he took no, it. No, he, he borrowed the horse. And, you know, we have this image all the time. Paul Revere galloping <laughs> through a town. The British are coming. Yeah. The British are coming. Wake up. The British are coming. Right? I mean, that's what we thought. He, and no, it wasn't like that. It was just just the opposite, as a matter of fact. He was doing it very discreetly. 
<laughs> oh, by the way, the British are coming. Make, make sure you tell everybody the British are coming, right? I mean, that's what he was doing. And that's because the British were there. They were camping out in and around Massachusetts. But he wasn't a good horseback rider? No, supposedly he sucked <laughs> so, buttermilk. So how discreet can you be when Paul Revere pulls up at your front door well, riding the horse backwards and is well, like, hey, by the way, there's well, British coming? Yeah, I don't think it was that bad. Okay. Well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I think he knew how to be in a saddle right, or whatever. Yeah. Dabble in horseback riding, too. But, uh, yeah, man, it was a weird situation. And, of course, you never hear the other guys, the two other guys that actually were with him. Bill yeah, Dawes. You never hear about them. You never hear about Bill. Some guy named Bill. You never hear about, oh, let's see, Bill Belichick. That, strike that. William Dawes, also known as Bill Dawes, and Samuel Prescott. Interesting, huh? I don't say Prescott. Have you ever say heard? Prescott. Okay, yeah, you've got to say it in that case. Yeah. You can't say Prescott no. in there because you have no idea. It's like that you have Prescott. to pronounce the yeah Prescott. But think about that. These two guys, boy, did they get host? Because nobody <laughs> talks about these two. I think they guys. at least get a mention in like National Treasure Five or whatever. April eighteenth, seventeen seventy-five. Man, two dudes who was they were riding with Paul Revere, doing the same thing. You never hear about them. I just like the idea of like, uh, I think your dentist is at the front door <laughs> and he looks like he's learning how to ride a horse in the driveway. Don't worry. He's got some wire. He wants to put this walrus <laughs> ivory into your teeth. Hey, the British are coming and I have a tusk I want to put in your mouth. All right. When we come back, can Sean McVay fix Baker Mayfield? He seems to think he can. We'll discuss it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf. And Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we got a taker for Baker. I, I, I did not plan it that way. We have a taker for Baker Mayfield, though. Wolf. One, okay. one taker for Baker Mayfield. That's all it takes, though. Just, just one. It, it only takes one. It was not the San Francisco 49ers. Ironically, it was the team we threw out there just kind of joking around uh, on Monday when we were doing the show because there was so much talk. Hey, the 49ers, you know, this is this is the one veteran quarterback that has had success before that they could go out and get because the trade deadline has passed. And just joking around, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if the Rams went out there and blocked San Francisco from getting him? Yeah. Well... The Rams did go out there, and they blocked everybody from getting him, although, according to Field Yates, nobody else even put in a claim for him. Yeah. So, that's got to be a blow to the ego. Here, here's the one thing I don't know about this, Basin Onions. Do, do, does another team know that somebody didn't put a claim in for them? Is that a possibility? Yeah, of course it is, man. Because, once again, these coaches, the grapevine in the National Football League, the NFL Anade, so to speak, it is vast and varied. Trust me on this. There's somebody that probably tipped off the 49ers. Hey, you know what? The Rams have put a claim in on them. Just don't so even you waste know. your time. Don't even waste your time. Yeah. Exactly right. You, you don't want to play your hand. You don't want to do that. Um, you have to wonder what what exactly were the Rams thinking? That's right. Yeah. Number one, what is the? Do you think there was a little bit too blocking the 49ers from getting Baker Mayfield? I think there was probably. What percentage that is? I don't know what percentage that was of the reason why they did it. It feels like it would but be to part me, of it, though. It'd be part of it, right? Maybe they just want to have the market cornered on commercials with Baker and Sean McVay. I mean, that's pretty much every NFL commercial um, there is. No. No, that's not it? Okay, well then, is it possibly 
that Sean McVay looks at Baker Mayfield and doesn't see the guy that was terrible when he played this year and that was banged up and not good last year. But he sees the guy that in 2020 threw for 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and had a 95.9 quarterback rating and, and says, okay, that guy was the number one overall pick one year before Kyler Murray, by the way, so not like years and years ago, and thinks maybe I can fix this guy and he can be the eventual successor to Matthew Stafford. Now, maybe that sounds crazy on the surface, but you have to remember the Rams don't have any draft picks until like the year 2080, so they have to kind of get young players this way and rehab them into better players if they we can. We can rebuild him. Him. That's what Sean McVay said. We can rebuild him. Did you ever see the $6 million man? No, but I've seen Field okay. of Dreams. If you build it, he will come. Um, no, no, we can rebuild him. This, uh, I, I think, honestly, right now, um, this is what Sean McVay believes. And ladies and gentlemen, can I just tell you, I, I think he's probably right. There's something there with Baker Mayfield. We know that. There, there's something there. You already went over what he did in Cleveland in 2020, and they w- there were people wanting him out then. But Cleveland fans it was are unreasonable in general, and, and it's because he Brown has um, he has a way about himself, and that way alienates some people that don't like that way. He's got a little stink, if you know what I mean, walking around, and some people don't like that. And I think that could be one of the reasons why so many people, when I went there to Cleveland last year, went there and actually played the Browns. And, man, the Cardinals are rolling in that game right there. Um, Man, there were analysts, local analysts, that wanted him out. That was early in the season. That was, yes. Coming off one of the better seasons by a Browns quarterback in the last 20 years. And I'm not just talking about one. I'm talking plural. Local analysts that I know personally that wanted him out. Well, I'm guessing Ohio State fans didn't love Baker from his time in college True. either. So, I mean, you go into a, a, a situation where you've got to win the fans over. Let's put it that way. They had to, He had to win Browns fans over. This is probably his last best shot at an NFL career, though, isn't it? Because if you look at his career, number one pick in 2018, okay? Yeah. It was, that was a little surprise that he went number one, but he was supposed to be one of the top three quarterbacks. But now in that draft class, you have Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. So clearly the Browns whiffed by taking Mel Kuyper Jr., player profile. Competitiveness, desire to win, to excel, to lead. The players love him. Coaches love Baker Mayfield. Everything about Baker Mayfield indicates he can be a really good quarterback in the NFL. Super accurate throwing the football, on the move, in the pocket. Doesn't matter. Can he be a Drew Brees, Russell Wilson type? We shall see. The antics have to end. He's got to be the CEO of the football team. So he's really got to overcome two things. The lack of ideal height and the fact that he's got to be a professional, focused CEO that does everything right on and off the field. All right, so good rookie year, 27 touchdowns, four interceptions, 14 interceptions on a bad Browns team. They had number one pick, right? Yeah. Kind of an eh 2019 year, 22 and 21 touchdowns and interceptions. I would say a really good 2020. Those are the numbers I just read you. We had a 95.9 quarterback rating, 26 to 8 touchdown to interception, won the Browns a playoff game against the Steelers, and nearly won them a second one against the Chiefs. But he was They bad. won 11 games that year, they, did they not? Yeah. 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 
but he was bad last year, and he's been horrible this year. And I would say Sean McVay is probably his last chance to salvage him being a starter in this league. I think you're right about that. And yet, at the same time, for Sean McVay, I think it makes perfect sense. You got John Wolford, who is banged up right now. He's questionable for this weekend. You've got Bryce Perkins backing him up. Bryce Perkins is more of a new age quarterback. Let's run the ball, everybody. Look, I'm going to run the zone read. Here comes the RPO. I think Baker Mayfield is, interestingly enough, more like Jared Goff. I think you could see Baker Mayfield in the same Jared Goff offense that you actually had Sean McVay trying to run and orchestrate and Jared Goff not doing very well. So I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what kind of offense he puts Baker Mayfield in. But having said that, why not take a shot what, what, what on what it? Got You've to got lose. exactly right. You've got this miserable season. Look at your quarterback room, even with Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, who knows what kind of damage is done on that. Jared Goff looks better this year than Matthew Stafford looks this year. That was I've seen that discussion quite a bit. Now, it was worth it. You won a Super Bowl. But you have yeah. sacrificed your future to a certain extent, which apparently is right now. So I do wonder if there is a certain element of, if we're ever going to get our quarterback of the future, it's going to have to be through weird circumstances like this. You got the Browns absorbing some of the contract, of course, of Baker Mayfield. You got the Carolina Panthers absorbing an awful lot of that. Hey, you know what? What do you got to lose? Pick him up. He may be off the team in five weeks. So I do have a question because we're talking about the future and everything. Do you think Baker Mayfield will start for the Rams? I mean, I think this week may be a little too soon for him to get on the field and learn everything, but do you think by week 15... Baker Mayfield could be starting for the Rams. Uh, I, I would. Why would you bring him in? I mean, you, Maloney's right. You can't do it this week because he he's not even there yet, probably, or he's just getting there. They actually sent him a playbook immediately. They, he's got a playbook right now. That Ron tells Wolfley me, reporting. Yeah, that tells me that um, he's got a shot, depending on how similar this offense may actually be. He's got a shot, Mal. Not to start this week, though. They play. They play tomorrow against the Raiders. Yeah, not so probably. Yeah. Not, but but you're saying Green Bay Monday Night Football, December nineteenth. Yes. No, yes. <laughs> well, they got Denver. So after wait a that. minute. They play tomorrow. They I did play, not know that. They, I thought no. I thought it was actually this weekend they were playing. No, I think it's yeah. That's right. The uh, <laughs> talking about two teams that move around from L.A. to other cities. The Rams and Raiders play tomorrow in L.A. Yeah, that's just a Thursday night game. That would okay. be way too soon for him to that, play, right? That would be, although he's got a playbook right now. Oh, well, he might have to be ready. Just I, in case. I'm saying if John Maybe Wolford, if he wakes up feeling dangerous. Listen, if, if John Wolford <laughs> cannot go, if he can't play, um, are you going to go with Bryce Perkins in that case? I don't, I don't know. I mean, might you see Baker Mayfield actually take a snap or two? Craziness. I, I don't think it's going to happen. It's way it can't happen. Not at the quarterback position. Why the Cardinals play the Rams four more times this year? That would really help. <laughs> Why are they already done with those games against the uh, against the Rams? And what a mess, by the way, the Rams became. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day because it'll be noon with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.